it is I, your host, Dharma, also known as The Entertainer, and welcome my guys, gals, and non-binary pals, also known as The Magic Pants Collective. Yes, that's what I'm calling it, because we are fun here, because rainbows are amazing. Now, bring your rainbow butts over here, because we are talking about write what you want to read, draw what you want to see. Here we talk about professional writing and professional digital art, all the tips, tricks, what not to do's, and everything in between about these two creative subjects. And we also talk about a few other things here as well, including, you know, business and how I'm doing personally, and my thoughts just on all sorts of different things and cool stuff. So welcome, and I hope you join the Magic Pants Collective today. Rainbows out! Hello, it is I, Dharma, also known as the Entertainer, also known as your Demi-Omni-Queen, and welcome back again today. And today, I figured we'd talk about, um, we'd talk about something in art known as silhouettes, and specifically why you're going to want the silhouettes of your characters to be clear. Now, I do understand that in a lot of first, second, even third, or fourth, or fifth, or however many drafts, that, um... You may just be experimenting with the character's look, design, style, things like that, and that's perfectly fine. But when it comes to the finished product of a character, you want their silhouette to be easily identifiable. Now, why do you want this? Well, they often say that a good character is identifiable by their silhouette. And while I personally can't comment on this because I've never just looked at the silhouettes of a bunch of characters, what I do know is that a for a lot of people this holds true. Like, for example, Remy the Rat from Ratatouille. You can identify that, um, that curvy, almost bean-esque shape, or maybe egg, depending on how you think, with that um, titular chef's hat practically anywhere. So, you know, I, I digress. But either way, let's talk about what makes a good silhouette. Now, the first thing is um, the character pose. Now, um, admittedly, there will be some character poses that are used throughout a work or series of works that would not make good silhouettes. For example, um, somebody with crossed arms um, holding onto their body with low legs um, close together, you probably won't be able to identify who they are in that sort of closed-off position. Now, if you had a more open position, like for example, the arms extended out, maybe they're in fist form, maybe they're taking a battle stance or something, sort of, some sort of wide stance where you can tell clearly what's going on, makes a good silhouette. Now, of course, I'm sure there are some exceptions to this rule, such as designs that are just so out of this world that um, it's hard not to be able to identify them no matter what um, no matter what position they're in, but these are few and far between, um, especially when it comes to purely human humanoid characters. And so when it comes to these characters, we've got to rely on either grand or open stancing. Um, so, yeah, this is something to keep in mind. You're going to want to pick a s stance for your character to be in that will um, help with the, si uh, w which will help the sil silhouette be clear. 
Also, keep in mind certain um, aspects of the character as well. For example, wings may be best left wide open um, or down by the sides in case if it covers up too much of the rest of the silhouette. Um, any sort of horns or just things upon the head will help to be dead ringer giveaways, but you're not going to want to rely on these to aid in your um, audience um, figuring out whose silhouette this is. Another thing to keep in mind is um, varying your body shapes, head shapes, etc. Now, um, I forget the exact terminology since it was a very long time ago, but um, basically uh, what a lot of, especially new beginner artists would come across is that a lot, of, a lot of the time they would use the same eye shape, head shape, nose shape, lip shape, basically whatever shape, head shape, body shape, whatever, um, all of the time, um, typically favoring that, um, that characteristic as they, uh, um, uh, that characteristic and the specific way that they drew it. And so because of that, you end up with a lot of what's called same face syndrome. Now I finally remember the term. Safe, same face syndrome is exactly what it sounds like, where, um, an artist, um, takes one or multiple elements of the face or just the entirety of the face and accidentally keeps duplicating it throughout their work oftentimes not even realizing it themselves and because of this this often leads to um, character confusion especially when it comes to silhouettes or in the cases of plots where characters have to wear each other's clothes or the clothes of the enemy which is usually your stock soldier garb and things like that, which can lead to the confusion of which character's doing what, especially in something like a comic, for instance, where you can't clearly, d where you can't, there are no voices to help you clearly distinct between the characters talking. And so, because of this, it's important to avoid same-face syndrome. Allow there to be variation in your eye shapes, styles, nose shape styles, etc. The same thing goes for the body. Now, I've never see heard anyone use the word, say, uh, use the term same body syndrome, but um, the same thing, same things apply here as to the face. So that's what I'm going to call it. Um, yet again, you're going to want variation, but it's going to be a little different. Variation in body structure, like for example, how long the torso is compared to the hips. Um, you know, um, how wide or how thin the hips are, wide or, or thin the legs are, things like that. Um, obviously, certain areas of the body are going to be different depending on what gender you're representing. Female, male, or androgynous. Um, and yes, androgynous is its own body style. It is a cross between, um, it is very much a cross between, uh, like a thin male and, um, sort of female. It's, it's hard to explain, but, um, it's easier if you see it. But yeah, yet again, you're going to want to keep this in mind. And another thing to keep in mind is variation when it comes to the size, width, and width 
of the feet and hands. Some people have bigger hands, some people have smaller, some people have wider, flatter feet, some people have smaller, rounder feet. So these are also things to keep in mind. And while they may not be the focus of the um, artwork or series or whatever it is you're doing, it's definitely something to keep in mind and can help when creating a silhouette of that character. Another thing to keep in mind is um, clothing as well. Your clothing doesn't necessarily to be, need to be super big and flashy, but there are reasons why in some shows... Um, certain um, certain aspects of a character's clothing are bigger or bulkier than they would be in real life in order to give some shape to that silhouette or to just make the character design a little bit more interesting. For example, let's say that um, you have small pockets on the jeans of, let's say, an engineer character. Well, how about instead of those small pockets, you instead have a belt with bigger, um, with bigger, um, cloth, uh, with bigger cloth, um, storage pocket things, um, um, you all know what, a, a utility belt, a utility belt of sorts, it just made up of pockets. That could serve as, A, something to establish that this, um, character is definitely in, an, in the engineer sort, and B, depending on how big and bulky this belt is, will also serve in their silhouette to be able to help identify them. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned about hairstyles when it comes to creating the character in the first place, um, since hair can easily be cut or shaven, or if it's already shaved, grown things like that. That's not important when it comes to identifying the character, at least within the story. Now, outside of the story where we're working with these silo easily identifiable silhouettes and such, the hair can certainly help. Now, when it comes to hair in anime where it's that general spiky hair, I don't know what to tell you. To me, it all kind of looks the same because it, spiky anime hair is kind of sort of all the same. Like, I could tell some of the differences between the characters with spiky hair, but for the most part, um, I'm just not really, uh, I'm not, I, it's just not really up my alley. Um, to me, it uh, the way how flat it looks on the character's head because it's just pure spikes makes it look like a cardboard, sh a colored cardboard sheet is a, is has been applied to their head. But I digress. Aside from that hair, most different hairstyles will also help you identify between different characters. Like for example, let's say that you had, a, let's say that your character had. Um, a quite large ponytail on the back of their head, you know, like abnormally large, like if they were to take it out of a ponytail, there would be so much hair, it, like Rapunzel would be put to shame. But still, this helps in identifying the character, along with smoothed back hair, you know, maybe, um, maybe, you know, slicked black and slick, slicked back hair, or maybe big puffy curly hair, or um, not necessarily puffy, but definitely bi uh, big curly hair. 
or things like that can also help. Although, um, it is important with longer hairstyles to put them in more of a, a dynamic position in order for the audience witnessing the silhouette to be able to differentiate between the body of this person and the hair itself. Because, um, because how most silhouettes work is you're blacking out the entirety of the character, not allowing for any lines to, um, you know, for any lines to butt in and make it clearer, clearer who this character is. And the hair can often, um, especially big long hair can often, um, ruin this. So, yeah. Just keep this all in mind. Um, of course there's a bunch of other things that can also help with this as well that I just can't think of at the moment. But, yeah. So, if you all would like to see more from me, then go ahead and check out the podcast episode description down below. Um, the first link is to my a YouTube channel, Horns and Halos, where I do video gaming, story time, speed paints, comedy skits, and I have I have a podcast coming up um, on there. Um, I'm think I've been thinking about starting a podcast on there, and I'm currently working on the videos for it. So be sure to check that out as well. Uh, be sure to check that out when it comes out. And by the way, if you would like to subscribe and hit the notification bell over there, that way you're notified when those videos come out. The second link in the podcast episode description down below is to my Redbubble shop, Rainbow Rhythmic, where the main highlight is my LGBTQIA plus collection and all of the different pins. Recently, I've added polyamory, agender, gender fluid. Um, there was another one. There was another one there. I'm currently working on demi-romantic, um, tri-gender, a bunch of other things. So, yeah, please do be sure to go check that out, and, um, yeah, one last thing is, the last link is to my course, The Secrets to Digital Art with Procreate course. Um, I teach you all of the ins and outs of Procreate, everything that you could possibly need to know about Procreate, and its, and its newest updates, um, when they come out. Um, you can learn over there, as well as the clear-cut step-by-step digital art schematic that I use for creating any work I do. For creating anthropomorphic animals, humans, actual animals, landscapes, mountains, whatever it is that I'm drawing, this is what I use to draw it. So, anyways, I will be seeing you all later, and on to the next one.